What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Week 8 Preview episode. It's myself and Garrett. Um, We're going to jump right into it here with my matchup versus Manny. I'm going to have to take down the old man and turn his bones into dust. (laughs) So on my side of the matchup, uh, I'm playing Ben at home this week versus Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland's D has been all right, but I think Ben at home is a decent bet. Um, AJ versus Tampa is in a real good spot. They don't really have a cornerback that can hang with him, so I expect a lot of points out of him as long as Andy Dalton doesn't melt down like he did last week. Uh, Demarius Thomas didn't do too well against Kansas City uh, the first time they played them this year, so hoping for a better performance this week. Uh, Devontae Parker is really a big question mark here. I mean, it's going to be his first game back, but I have some buy issues. I didn't bid nearly enough for any of those waiver guys to get them, so... Uh, since Manny's probably going to put up a lot against me, I think I have to kind of shoot for a uh, high ceiling here and hope that he catches a touchdown. Uh, whenever he's played and been healthy, he seems like a good bet for the end zone. Obviously, we talked about Tuesday. I'm worried about Jordan Howard, uh, but I think Jalen Richard should be good for at least five, six catches and have a solid floor. Uh, the Jets haven't let up uh, more than like 36 yards to a tight end this year, but the best tight end they've played against has been Kyle Rudolph and then a bunch of no-namers. So I think Burton has a pretty safe floor. And like Garrett has in the notes here, I got to pick between Christian Kirk and Larry. Uh, Byron Leftwich just came out and said they got to get Larry a lot more involved, so maybe I'll switch them out just to get those PPR receptions, but really not sure here. Uh, Garrett, you want to take your dad's side? Yeah, I mean, uh, my dad has a pretty solid team, third place in standings, third place in points for, and it's largely because of his ultra-consistent old man-type wide receivers in Edelman and Jeffrey pretty much have pretty safe floors being the number one target in both of their offenses. Uh, Obviously, both with tough matchups, assuming that Tredavious White uh, shadows Julian Edelman and Alshon obviously having to deal with Jalen Ramsey in London this week. Uh, but other than that, he has pretty favorable matchups in terms of Kareem Hunt going against the pretty suspect Denver defense. Odell, even though Washington's defense has been pretty good this year, I think should avoid a good amount of Josh Norman. And it seems like, you know, he's been steadily producing yards at least for the better portion of the season. His flex is the only thing I would question in terms of whether or not Cobb is going to be effective coming back off the injury. He's got Jones on the bench. We'll see what he do- ends up doing there. But Kelsey, I think, could really carry his team this week. He's playing against Denver at home this time around. And last time he went to Denver, even though Mahomes appeared to struggle, he still put up 78 yards and a score. So I could see him easily outproducing even that number. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and you're right. He has, your dad has a couple tough matchups in his receiving core, but – Other than that, he's got a pretty solid week. We'll have to see how Deshaun Watson does tonight. Um, Yeah, and you said about Odell seeing Josh Norman. I think I said on a podcast a couple weeks ago, like Josh Norman's actually been really bad in coverage this year. Uh, I mean, they have the history between the two of them, so you never know how that'll go down. But I don't think he's as scary of a matchup as he has been in the past couple years. Yeah, the Redskins actually have a better corner at Dunbar, who's actually been a top 15 corner this year so far. So I figured they'll find a way to get Odell the ball in a game they figured to be down by a lot. Yep, I agree. All right, we'll move on to uh, Kurt versus Joe. Kurt, uh, you know, I was looking at Kurt's team and the standings and everything, and Kurt has 92 fab dollars left and we're over halfway through the regular season. You know, he, with his receiving um, 
kind of lack of receiving depth with some of his bye weeks and, st- and injuries going on here. He really needed to spend some money to fix that up for this week. I mean, playing Robbie Anderson is not great, even if he's healthy. Um, he hasn't shown a lot of rapport with Darnold, and he's looking like he's dealing with an injury. Um, but outside of that, I think Crabtree should have you know a decent floor, and Mike Evans uh, should be able to come away with probably a score and what might be a high-scoring game. Carry-on really broke out um, last week, and I think he's going to be pretty solid going forward. And then uh, we talked about the double tight end play last week, and I don't think that's really going to give him too much of a ceiling, but he doesn't really have a lot of options. Um, it's obviously notable that he has Melvin Gordon on by, which is really tough to deal with after not having him last week either. Um, but Kurt also needs to get rid of Des Bryant. I mean, it's week eight. I don't think he's going to be a viable fantasy option. So uh, that's just eating up a bench spot there. What do you think of uh, Joe's side of the matchup? I think Joe has a couple of difficult matchups, and obviously we talked about in the recap podcast a pretty significant lack of depth at the wide receiver position. Uh, But he does have pretty favorable matchups in his running backs. Um, Obviously Kamara, a bit of a down week last week against a really stout Baltimore defense, but should be pretty involved in what figures to be a shootout at Minnesota this week. Um, Adrian Peterson, I really, for his sake, hope that Chris Thompson can go because he's been actually the Redskins' leading wide receiver. He's actually been Alex Smith's favorite target despite being uh, injured last week, still leads the team in with 26 receptions. Even if he can't go, Adrian Peterson's been pretty effective for an old man. Uh, and then, like you said, even though Kurt has the double tight end so does joe but he has pretty serviceable tight ends so i don't see him seeing a huge amount of drop off in production there yeah definitely and uh one stat that i had that i forgot on kurt's side was with carry on johnson um he's been running routes on 50 percent of matt stafford's dropbacks when he's in there so he's not just staying in the block the whole time which gives him a lot of receiving potential going forward um do you have anything to add on kurt's side that i didn't say uh, only that the Seahawks defense that Karen's going up against has actually been pretty solid against running backs this season. Uh, it's been a different story when they're on the road. So maybe, I mean, I don't doubt carry on reaching at least a, you know, 10 point floor, but maybe not as blow up as Kurt would hope. Yeah, definitely. I'm just looking at some of these scores. I mean, Gurley put up 33, but that doesn't count. Um, and yeah, outside of like David Johnson and Zeke, nobody's really top 10 points. Um, Actually, Jalen Richard put up 12, but maybe with a receiving floor, he'll be able to get a decent score there. All right, we can move on to um, James versus David. Um, So on James' side of the matchup, uh, Pat Mahomes is probably going to keep doing what he does. Uh, Against Denver, the last time they played, he only had 22.8, but that's still not going to break your week, Um, and it just shows his crazy floor. Robert Woods, uh, since Cooper Cup's been out, has been running 62% of his routes out of the slot, which has given him a lot higher uh, ceiling. As like slot routes, we all know, are more valuable than outside routes for the most part in fantasy. Uh, Danny Amendola, I mean, he spent a lot of money on that. We'll talk about it later, but I think with all the injuries there, he has a pretty safe floor tonight. Hopefully Galladay has a bounce back week. And then his, uh, outside of David Johnson, who I have some hope will, uh, kind of have more value going forward if Byron left, which uses him correctly, which hopefully he will. Uh, he's got some issues with LaShawn McCoy and, uh, and then Gronk's, yeah, Gronk's injury as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does there. With Funchess on his bench and Allison coming back from injury, uh, I think he has some depth there. Um, 
in his flex, but outside of that, he's going to have to really find uh, a solution at running back because he spent all that money on Corey Clement and can't even use him. Uh, do you want to go on David's side? I think really quickly, just for James's side, just to do a little autopsy on James's now <laughs> team. He spent a ton of money, ton of ton of fab on Amendola, and a ton of fab on Tyra Williams, and a ton of fab on Clement. Yet wide receiver is a position he's had the most depth in, and the position he needs, Clement is pretty much unusable, and he refuses to start him anyways. So what do you do if you have James's roster? Uh, yeah, you've got to trade for a running back, uh, which he already attempted to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, now he lost his most valuable wide receiver, arguably. I mean, Woods is very valuable, but, you know, I'd say on par with Diggs. But which of those guys do you trade and who do you look for? I mean, I think you would have to package deal David Johnson and maybe Galladay for a couple good running backs, you know, I mean, with Funchess and Allison on the bench there, uh, I think you'd have to do something like that and kind of part with David Johnson and try to sell, you know, him on the appeal of a new OC. I think I would try and do just kind of give up on Gronk, try and sell as high as possible along with one of the receivers, just submit myself to streaming tight ends and then get a running back, a pretty solid running back in return. But just a quick note. Just to teach James a little something about trades. <laughs> yeah. All right. Shut the fuck up and do David's side. Speaking of poor drafts, David's team actually has some pretty good matchups for his wide receivers. Uh, Will Fuller going up against a Miami defense with great corners, but have actually allowed a, the fourth most kind of big play catches in the league thus far. We'll see how he does later tonight again. You know, at home against Miami, especially with QT out, he should see a resurgence. He's put up. Better numbers last week with QT out. Uh, Doug Baldwin, even though he's been kind of, you know, underwhelming so far, he kind of got back on track against Oakland last week. Gets another pretty good matchup against Detroit, assuming he doesn't see too much of Darius Slay. Uh, The question with David's, you know, super overvalued running backs is that now it looks like Dalvin Cook's not going to be able to play for a while. His man Smallwood's pretty much been useless. Doug Martin remains to be seen. And Breda is hopefully going to be healthy for more than a quarter or two in a game. And he has Zeke on by and McCaffrey looking to be trending downward with Greg Olson back. What do you think about McCaffrey against Baltimore this week? Uh, it's tough. I mean, Baltimore has been really good against running backs. And I think in the preseason, uh, I said I had a stat about McCaffrey uh, from one of the fantasy pros guys that um, well, not about McCaffrey, but just running backs and tight ends in general, that no team um, had a running back and tight end pair go for more than uh, I believe it was 140 catches last year. So as long as they have a prominent tight end there in Greg Olson, there's going to be a real like downtrend in his uh, in McCaffrey's targets, which is just tough going forward because that's really what gives him a safe floor. So I think his ceiling is really capped this week, but he's probably going to hit 10 or 12 points at least. Right. Well, just for David's sake, I hope the Braves is healthy or else he's going to be forced to start Doug Martin. Yeah, I mean, Gruden saying Doug Martin is going to be a workhorse back, but Doug Martin's also five foot nine, and he hasn't really done that well since 2015. So I have some doubts about that. Um, and then another question with David's uh, team, which is if he's going to, keep the Rams D in there against Green Bay. I mean, that's bound to be a high-scoring game. 
Um, I doubt the Rams' D is going to come out with more than five points. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm a Green Bay fan, so it's a little skewed. But, yeah, no, Gruden's been a pretty filthy liar all season. But I do think Martavis Bryant has at least the opportunity to succeed in that offense now. So it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. Yeah, he's had a couple of surprisingly good games. He had a 91-yard game, I think, earlier in the season. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on going forward. Um, all right, so we'll move on then to Jake versus Garrett. Uh, got a pretty big deficit here in the projection. Um, on Garrett's side, you got Tom Brady versus Buffalo, and you got to wonder if Brady's going to really be needed in that game, um, if he's going to throw a lot of touchdowns, or if they're just going to kind of lean on Kenyon Barner and James White to kind of bury the Bills there. Uh, Hopkins playing tonight. He's going to see a lot of Xavier and Howard, um, but DeAndre Hopkins is pretty much uncoverable one-on-one with his ability to kind of push off without getting called there and just kind of get a good reception floor. I think John Brown will have some pretty good success against Carolina. Their cornerbacks uh, haven't really been stopping anybody. Could be a good bounce-back week for Boyd after some down weeks. Um, Barkley's going to keep doing what he does. I don't think anybody can stop him. Cleveland's had a pretty underrated run defense, but I think James Conner is involved enough that he can be relied on again until Le'Veon comes back. Ertz will definitely benefit from Ramsey being on uh, Alshon and Boye probably elsewhere. And then Tariq Cohen the past few weeks has showed to be the Bears' most useful uh, running back there, but um, you got to wonder if they're going to have, you know, a Jordan Howard week sprinkled in here. Um, and then Zerline is a great kicker. You got to um, rely on him every week and Jacksonville versus Philly is going to be an interesting game in London. It might be a low scorer, but uh, I'm not too confident there. What do you have to add on the other side? Well, luckily for me, both of Jake's guys in Julio Jones and the man Cole Beasley have by this week. So it's going to really expose Jake's lack of depth at the receiver slash flex position in that it looks like he's going to have to start Valdez Scantling, who I really like, out of my team for a couple of weeks. But McCarthy says that Allison and Cobb are on track to play again this week at the Rams. So I don't see him getting too many reps, uh, but it doesn't matter for Jake's team in terms of receiving because Emmanuel Sanders is a great spot against Kansas City, who played well against Dalton and the Bengals last week, but Denver figures to try and get Sanders involved on those deep routes to try and keep pace. Juju against Cleveland, who has a pretty good defense, but seems like most of their attention with Denzel Ward and Joe Hayden should be att- should be directed at Antonio Brown. James White uh, has a huge – both James White and Phil Plinzi are the beneficiary of injuries to their backfield. Sonny Michelle obviously down, and now Royce Freeman also out for Denver. Uh, both figures see huge workloads and pretty plus matchups at Buffalo and at Kansas City. Then George Kittle, who we've pretty much been talking up these past couple weeks, comparing him to Gronk, comparing him to you know other top tight ends, has a good matchup against Arizona. Um, I also think Jordan Nelson, like you said, with the <clears throat> Oakland offense, you never know what's going to happen, but they're going to lose, but they're going to have to throw the ball a lot, so someone has to catch the passes, and Jared Cook can't catch all of them, so could be Jordan Nelson week. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then on one stat I had on Philip Lindsay, and I'll talk about him a little bit more later, is that he was targeted on 29% of his routes that he ran. So uh, when he's in there and when they're in passing downs, he gets a lot of looks there. And against Kansas City, who's been horrible all season against pass-catching backs, I think he's got a really safe floor and a big ceiling this week. Yeah, I also see you have a note about Cleveland's underrated – run defense, but you forget that James Conner broke out against him week one for 135 and two big touchdowns. So what do you think he does this week? 
Oh, that's true. Um, I mean, like I said, he's too involved and too talented. I don't think that defense is going to matter too much. Um, so, I mean, I, I could easily see him getting another 150 scrimmage yards. Uh, it just depends how well Cleveland can keep up. But, I mean, it is a home game, so I think Roethlisberger is going to throw a lot more than he did that first game, and it's not shitty weather like it was that game either. True, yeah. um, so I think they might not need to use him as much, but I, he's going to easily clear 15 points, I think. I mean, he showed that one week that he can do that in one drive. So Yeah, that's true. I think it's just going to be funny for me knowing that Jake drafted Le'Veon Bell and Jones and then auto-drafted and didn't bother to pick up Connor. And I hope he's the reason that I win this week. Uh, you can only hope, you vindictive bastard. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to uh, Hop versus Jay. Hop, uh, team's looking a little scary this week with some buys and injuries like we've talked about outside of Gurley and Thielen. Um, he's got some real um, questionable options here. I mean, he's starting Frank Gore and Peyton Barber this week, uh, who neither of them have been – I mean, Frank Gore has been more reliable than anybody wants to admit this year, but Peyton Barber's just been a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> Eric Ebron, I think, should have a pretty safe week until Doyle comes back. And he's got the um, injury, you know – with Allen Robinson to worry about there, maybe taking away some of his production. So I think Hop, I mean, unless some of his other guys can go off or Gurley and Thielen just both have really monster weeks, he might be in trouble this week to a uh, possibly superior team. Yeah, well, it's hard to call Jay's team possibly, even possibly superior to most things. (laughs) I mean, for this week. Yeah, well, I think it depends a lot on the health of Allen Robinson for Hop, but um, yeah, Jay's team this week and Jay's running backs, he's going with Alex Collins against a pretty tough Carolina run defense and Raheem Mostert at Arizona. Really hoping that Breda doesn't play, I guess, because Mostert looked serviceable in the two games he's played so far, so you know, could be a combined 15 points from both those running backs this week. So I'm really hoping for Jay, but his wide receivers, pretty solid matchups. Uh, Devonta Adams has been his best receiver, pretty much matchup proof, even against a tough, de- tough defense in the Rams. Golden Tate, I think, you know, kind of been trending down a little bit, but, you know, <coughs> should figure to see at least some targets in a matchup against Seattle. Brandon Cooks and Jarvis Landry, both in pre-serviceable matchups, should at least touch their projections. But it just gets worse and worse for Jay's running back situation, even without, um, you know, both of the Tennessee guys on by. Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, if the Rams somehow can get behind early, if uh, Rodgers can just kind of march down on them and put some points up, Gurley might have a lower week. I mean, by that I mean like 20 points. But I can easily see Goff and Cooks connecting for one or two scores and a big shootout there. Um, So I think Jay might even have the edge there in terms of that matchup, just having Gurley in one of those weeks where they might not use him as much. Yeah, and that's true. And then one thing I noticed on hop side of the ball, do you know if uh, Marshawn Lattimore is healthy? Because he should figure to see Adam Thielen at least a bit this week. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sh- quite sure. I think he's planning to play. Um, but the big thing with Thielen is he runs so many routes, routes out of the slot, and they just put their slot corner on IR a couple of weeks ago. Mm. So, I mean, he could avoid him a little bit since they also have digs there. Um, but, I, yeah, he's definitely going to have some upside limited on when he's on those outside routes. Every week I keep thinking that Thielen's going to come back to earth and he's just not doing it. So 
I'll say it again this week and hope he does. Yep. All right, and we'll move on to the final matchup. We got George versus Andrew um, on George's side of the ball. Hopefully, Andy Dalton can have a good bounce back week after shit in the bed last night or last week. Um, Sterling Shepard should avoid Josh Norman, even though he hasn't been that great um, and might put up a pretty decent score. Uh, D.D. Westbrook has been really up and down and disappointing. And uh, against Philly, they might need to throw a bit, but that quarterback play has been pretty awful. Marvin Jones has been touchdown or bust. Kenyon Drake, you know, he can rip off a t- touchdown run with any, you know, touch he has, but he hasn't been getting a lot of work. So it'll be interesting to see that. And he also has on the other side of that game, Lamar Miller. Um, I mean, Thursday night games are usually pretty low scoring and run heavy, so maybe those guys will put up decent scores. One of them might break off a touchdown. Um, Graham against the Rams. I mean, the tight end and over the middle is their weakness, so I could see him getting a touchdown. Um, but he hasn't been super reliable. And then Chris Carson is really hard to predict, um, just with that three-headed backfield. And just Pete Carroll is just – I think he has dementia. I don't know what his, you know, game plan is each week, but it's just really hard to predict anything out of there. But uh, with Justin Tucker in New England defense, I think he's got a pretty solid floor there, probably getting 30 points out of them combined, I'd imagine. What do you think on the other side? Uh, George's favorite players, or best players, I should say, Justin Tucker. Right. New England defense. <laughs> yep. Uh, Andrew's team dealt with a – Pretty sizable blow last week, losing both Freeman and Son Michelle, like I mentioned earlier, and actually a blow to Hyde, kind of moving from the Browns, where he had a pretty steady workload, to now Jacksonville, where it's kind of in question between Yeldon and him. Uh, but his receivers, great matchups this week. Uh, Diggs, he has a pretty interesting stack in Breeze, Diggs, and Thomas in that what figures to be a shootout at Minnesota. Uh, T.Y. Hilton against the joke of the Oakland Raiders. Uh, I think the biggest question on his team is going to be Mark Mark Ingram. He's had kind of skewed weeks these past two starts. He's been back from his suspension. And then against Washington, he was used heavily because they wanted to rest Kamara. They were up by a ton. But last week, he was pretty disappointing against, but it was against a really tough Ravens defense. So I think now he gets to see what his workload might be in a really competitive matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, And then he obviously had to pick up Kenyon Barner, who – could hit 80 yards in a score maybe so hoping for that but what do you think of Ingram going forward yeah it's tough I mean I think he's gonna be a little bit more matchup dependent than he was last year in terms of game script and I think Breeze is you know a little bit more comfortable throwing like you know last year they started off the year so hot with running that he never really needed to throw or get into that kind of groove but since the beginning of the year they didn't have Ingram and he was throwing a lot and broke the records I think he's a little bit more comfortable just airing it out and getting a big lead um, so I think him, his upside is capped a little bit more than Kamara's is, but I think they both are just going to have some matchup and game script dependent weeks going forward. It's still the safe floors, but it's just not going to be, I don't think both of them scoring 30 points every week like it was last year. Yeah. Just looking across at George's team, it's so tough to watch. <laughs> I really hope yeah, he pulls out a win because it's just rough watching him. I know it's tough. All right, well, we can move on then to the waiver wire pickups. Um, so, obviously, some of the big ones there. Uh, Andrew bid 20 on Kenyon Barner, trying to get that back up for Sony Michelle. Um, I don't know if he's nearly as talented, but he should get a decent amount of work, especially against the Bills this week. Uh, and then James, you know, dropping $28 total on Amendola and Tyrell. 
a little bit of a questionable move there, like we talked about earlier, when that's not really the weakness of his team. So maybe he's hoping for some big weeks and to kind of wrap them up into a trade. Um, but it really wasn't the best. I would have rather seen him pick up Chris Ivory just to make sure he had a starting running back there. Um, what do you think about those pickups? I think James is just fucked up one night and just <laughs> saw the top two wide receivers and just like, ah, I'm just going to grab him because he really doesn't need him. Like we said, he has Geronimo on the bench. Galladay, even though he lost digs, like you can't play more than four. So I don't know what he's playing to right. do, but uh, I think they have opportunity. Amendola's look good with the Brock Osweiler back there. So it's possible, but you know, I definitely don't see Tyra Williams producing like this the whole year. Yeah, definitely not. He's going to be a lot more hit or miss. Um, he just happened to string together a couple of good weeks, um, but he is always a threat to blow up. So, um, outside of that, uh, I mean, your dad picked up Chris Hogan for five bucks. I don't know about him going forward. I think he, uh, is kind of shown his ceiling so far. They have so many receivers there now and they have Josh Gordon as their deep threat. Uh, you got Traquan Smith last week, actually as a free agent. I think he's going to be really strong going forward, even though he didn't have that many yards last week. They targeted him a lot, targeted him in the end zone. He almost had a touchdown. So I think that was a good pickup. Um, we got Mostert for $9 to Jay. Um, I mean, he might end up being a serviceable, you know, RB3, but I don't think he has a super high ceiling as long as Breed is hanging around there, even if Breed only plays a couple quarters. What do you think about those? Yeah, I think him, Ivory, and Barner are both in the same bucket in terms of just, like, short-term Band-Aid solutions. Uh, kind of surprising. I mean, nothing that George does surprise me, but picking up $12 for Ivory, and not bidding anything on Yeldon a couple of weeks ago was really questionable. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, who knows if Shay's going to come back this week and clear protocol. Barner, who knows how long Michelle's going to be out. $20, it just seems like a lot to spend on those backs who are two, three games tops. And who knows how productive they'll be, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, I mean, the last... Not even a big spend, but I spent five bucks on Cortland Sutton. Um, just with the trade rumors in Denver between Demarius and uh, Emmanuel Sanders, if one of those guys were to get traded, Cortland Sutton would immediately be a playable wide receiver three, I think, especially with his touchdown upside. Um, so I just wanted to make sure I got him. Even though I fucking drafted him and dropped him like I've been to every fucking player in the league, I don't even want to go through the amount of players that I drafted that are good. Now, I mean, let's not forget I fucking drafted John Brown, and I cut him thinking that he didn't have a lot of upside either. So fuck me this season, man. I think what's especially hilarious is that you traded for Meredith, added him and dropped him about 50 times, and then as soon as he gets somewhat valuable with Ginn going down, he goes to James's team. <laughs> Well, he didn't even get targeted last week. I really think Traquan's got that locked up, so I'm not too worried about that anymore. I mean, on the Saints, you always have touchdown upside, but I, I think Traquan has really taken over that job. I hope so. Yeah. All right. Uh, we can move on then to our pick of the week. Um, like I kind of mentioned earlier, mine's going to be Philip Lindsay. Uh, Kansas City defense has just been horrible against running backs and receiving backs. Um, they really haven't shut down any running back who has the ability to receive the ball and Philip Lindsay's been really showed that he's really talented so far. So I think he's going to go for about 55 rush yards, 80 receiving yards and the touchdown. Yeah, I could see that, especially with Royce Freeman. Now he gets a lot of those passing yards he was missing out on. So, right. Right. My pick of the week might be slightly skewed as a Packers fan, but I've been pounding the table for Aaron Jones to get some more work. And this is a perfect week for him to do it. 
because the Rams haven't been great against running backs, allowing pretty big weeks to Mike, both Mike Davis and Chris Carson, Philip Lindsay, even Mostert got almost 60 yards on him. In a game that figures to be a shootout, <clears throat> teams have been successful against the Rams, like Denver and Seattle, who played them tough, controlled the ball, got a lot of yards on the ground, and kept the Rams' offense off the field. And more importantly, if they choose to run, which I think they should, Aaron Jones, it keeps the Green Bay defense off the field. Jones has been super successful, forcing a lot of missed tackles, unfortunately still has a snap share with Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery. But I think if McCarthy used him correctly, he could have about 95 total yards, probably 80 on the ground, 15 to the air, and a score on a goal line touch. Yeah, I definitely agree. All right, but uh, and then finally we'll go to or go through all the matchups and give a quick pick and uh, one quick comment if we want. Um, like I said, I'm on a rampage. I'm going to seven and six. Unfortunately, the projections don't show that. But after Devontae Parker drags his nuts on Manny's old decrepit corpse tonight, he's going to be crying and uh, might have to quit the league. Uh, Garrett, pick your dad. I know. I'm going to pick my dad. I haven't picked him much this year, but he's just been too proven to lose against, you know, what's left of what's left of your team. Yeah, you're just trying to suck up to him because he found out you were gay on the Tuesday podcast. Shit. Yeah, right. All right, next, Kurt versus uh, Joe. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Joe here. Now that he's got AB back, I think he's just going to have a blow-up week. Yeah, Joe's receivers, great matchups. I think Kamara gets back to putting up almost 20 points a game. Kurt's team just hasn't been the same since that little troll robbed him of Cooper Cup and Tevin Coleman. But yeah, whatever. hope for the best for him. He's got to pay the troll toll if he wants to get into the boys' <laughs> hole. All right. Um, next, we got James versus David. I think David... He's going to get the beat down, um, even though James's running backs are a little weak. Uh, with Zeke on by, I think James's receivers can cover the difference and come through. Just based on how this season's gone, I feel like James is going to put up like 115, and Will Fuller is going to have like 30 points, and James, and David will win by like five points. But I think David's receivers will actually produce enough for him to, to squeak out a win against James. All right, next we got you versus Jake. I mean, I got to go with you. Your team's a juggernaut right now, even though Jake's team's been really hot. I think with as long as James Connors there, your team is pretty much unstoppable. Come for the top spot. Going to win this week. All right, next we got Hop versus Jay. Um, I think Jay takes it. I think Hop's got a lot of weak spots on his team this week, and if Gurley and Thielen even slip up a little bit, I think Jay's just got it in the bag. Yeah, I think Jay's receiver's with all four of them back in the lineup are just too much, even for Thielen and Thielen and Gurley this week. And then finally we got George versus Andrew. Um, I think I got to give it to Andrew's squad. His team's just too strong. I mean, unless that Saints game is a total crapshoot and is like a 10 to 13 game, I think he's got it. Yeah. A lot really rides on that game, a Sunday night game, which, you know, you never know how it's going to go, but George's team, I just, I don't, see, I don't see it. Right. We, I don't even think we mentioned that George is without Keenan Allen this week. Not that he's been producing too big of scores, but he still was a pretty high four receiver there, so that's tough. I really hope that 
he just comes out with one of those wins where Tucker puts up like 24, New England puts up like 20. That'd be interesting to see, but I doubt it. Yeah, Andrew, I think, would have a full meltdown <laughs> if he had a fourth loss in a row to fucking trash Gordon. All right, well, we'll see how this week goes down. Thanks for listening, we'll see you guys on Tuesday. What's your prediction for the Miami-Houston game tonight? Uh, I mean, I think Miami's trash, but Thursday night games are kind of hard to predict. I think, I think Houston will take it, but maybe by like three. I think Houston. I think it's going to be a lot of field goals. I think Houston's going to roll them over. Really? Yep. At home. Yeah. All right. We'll see what happens.